27th episode of the Young Turps Podcast from the Viner Forgate Studio. This is your host, Mason Viner. And your co-host, Jordan Viner. And on today's podcast, we're talking Maryland's 48-7 to win over the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. And of course, all your news on the Terrapin Rundown. But before we get into that, this podcast is brought to you by Allied Party Rentals, your hometown Terrapin Party Rental resource. Allied has what you need, whether you're hosting a large wedding, putting together a small luncheon, or setting up a street festival. Allied has the tents, chairs, linens, china, and other accessories that you are looking for. Wayne from Turp Talk has known Donnie at Allied since 1995. Located right next to College Park in Beltsville, Maryland, you can contact Allied today at 301-986-0067 or on the web at alliedpartyrentals.com. Jordan, now for the Terrapin Rundown. Well, on the non-rev report today, a very good non-rev report as a whole. Uh, men's soccer defeated a pair of ranked opponents in College Park since we last spoke. They took down number 22 Rutgers 3-1, to and they also blanked number 14 Cal State Fullerton 2 nothing. They should be backed in the poll next week or tomorrow when the poll drops. Uh, they got votes last week, and uh, they will travel to Michigan State on Friday. Friday's going to be a big day for Marin Athletics. Yes, it is. Uh, great to see the soccer Terps uh, back in the win column against some ranked teams. Field hockey took a nail-biter on the road against number 5 Northwestern in double overtime, winning 2-1. to one. And today they shut out number 3 UConn 2 to nothing in front of a near-capacity crowd of 1,223 fans at the field hockey and lacrosse complex. Friday, the Terps will host number 8 Iowa. Yeah, the, the Terps should have a legitimate case to be number 1 if they beat Iowa as well. They're currently number 4. Like they're playing well. They're playing great, and uh, nothing short of the expectation, I guess, for the field hockey club. Yeah, as always, uh, Coach Missy's got them rolling. Uh, volleyball got their first ever victory over Michigan State, defeating the Spartans three sets to two in College Park. A much needed rebound. They will head up to face the, as always, great Penn State Nittany Lions on the road on Friday. Penn State, one of the best volleyball teams in the country, per usual. Um. Not liking the hopes for this one, the way this season's been going. No, but it's good they got a Big Ten win finally. And finally, the women's soccer team fell to Ohio State, one nothing in Columbus. However, today they set the program record for most goals scored in one game with six against Illinois. The team is just playing fantastic, at least for their standards. They could make the tournament, which is a big deal. They haven't made it since 2012. Uh, they will travel to Lincoln to face off on Friday. So all four of our non-revs here will be playing on Friday. Yeah, and uh, all four with wins on this non-rev report. A solid one. A solid look around the Maryland Athletics. It's been a really strong week and for week and weekend for all the Maryland Athletics team. Maryland Twitter had, I guess, a great one on that. I think five Maryland teams won on Saturday. Yeah, not much in the way of strange news this week. Um, so I have a different idea for today, Mason. Very interesting day of college football yesterday. What did you see around the country? I saw another uh, kind of wacky week, um, especially in the Pac-12. I think that we're not going to see much other than a bunch of teams that are going to finish at 5-4 and four and 4-5 four and five in that conference. Uh, Oregon wasn't looking good, even though they scratched out a win over Cal 17-7. to seven. Washington lost at home to Stanford. Um, other places around the country, the big games weren't weren't all that great. That Michigan-Iowa game, Iowa just didn't seem to show. It kind of looked like if Maryland's defense played its best game last week against Penn State and the offense played the same way. 
you know, you just teams don't aren't really into the big game atmosphere yet. And Auburn and Florida played a great game in front of a great crowd, but I mean, you saw three interceptions from Bo Nix, the Auburn quarterback. It just doesn't seem like teams are too tuned up yet to play the big games that everyone likes to see. And it's already October, Jordan, and these teams just don't seem ready yet. Yeah, it seems like well, that, that Florida-Auburn game was a good one. Um, next week, we've got some really big ones. we got uh, Oklahoma and Texas, which will be a huge bat- battle in terms of college football, playoff implications. Um, you're going to see Iowa and Penn State, which... It will be at Iowa, so maybe better showing for the Hawkeyes. And of course, the or the the big one is Florida at LSU. Should be the game day game. Although I don't know if they're going to put Florida on game day, even though they won't be hosting it twice in a row. Maybe at Iowa instead. It could be in Texas, Oklahoma. You really don't know. Um, but I don't. The game of the week, in my opinion, Mason. I don't know if you saw this one. I only saw it because I stayed in on Saturday and was just hanging out. That SMU Tulane game. Did you see what happened in it? At least. No, I didn't. And I'm thinking you're talking about SMU and Tulsa. Yeah, yeah, my bad, Tulsa. Um, the game was at SMU. SMU in the fourth quarter was trailing thirty to nine. They came all the way back and tied it, and then won a triple overtime. Wow. Yeah, college football is off to a. I think it's a good start. I think that. In the top 10, I really don't think that Florida team, despite beating Auburn, is really going to be for real. I think they're going to drop somehow two games along the way. I don't. They might be the at that side of the SEC's champion, but yeah, I just don't really see it out of Florida, even though they're probably going to be ranked uh, round number six this week. The team that I think is actually the real number one, the way they've played this far, this far into the season, is Ohio State. I think they're oh, the real absolutely. number one. Absolutely agree with you. And I read an interesting article the other day about just theorizing, although it's not going to happen, like, if you didn't have a preseason poll in college football, you might get better rankings, you might get more objective rankings, because if that was the case, you'd play Ohio State as number one at this point. And Clemson might not even be in the top five with the way they've actually played, but because they start so high, you need a, quote, reason to drop them. And I thought it was a really interesting idea that if you didn't have – like ranking from a couple couple weeks of the season, they'd be a lot more accurate. Yeah, and I've heard that from a lot of people, but it's not going to happen. The rankings preseason give people reason to have hype. They give ESPN yeah. the teams to talk about. They just yeah, give they're, out they're totally too necessary, much. But they're just a bit of a hamper on actual football. I think like there'd be some teams that would be ranked that aren't. I think even throwing like some teams like Hawaii that would maybe be ranked if it was objective like that, but. It's not, and that's the way it is, and it's not going to change. So does Maryland ever get ranked if there are no rankings at the beginning of the season? Oh, there would be this year. If, if you said, let's just go with, if you didn't have rankings the first two weeks, Maryland's absolutely ranked after the first two weeks this year. They might not have earned it, given how the rest of the year has gone, but they would be. Yeah, so let's swing, I guess, back around into Maryland after a little bit of college football talk. The Terps topped Rutgers on the road, 48 to seven, N- not an inspiring uh, start from the Terps, but certainly got it together later in the game. Yeah, um, the start for this game was alarming to say the least. Maryland's offense looked—I—I I, I truly do not know what happened to the offense. 
in the first quarter of this game, just like Penn State and Temple, the offense just came out flatter than a pancake. But that's not and true. Hold on. That's not true. Because on the first play of offense, that would save them in this game is the first play from on offense. Which is the 80-yard touchdown from uh, Josh Jackson to Dante Demas. That's the play they didn't have against Temple, and that's the play they didn't have against Penn State. But continue. Oh, yes, and if and that's true. But if you take that one play out, we got nothing. And, yeah, we had that one play, and that's really, really important. But they just did not look up to snuff. And as I said on Twitter, this was a re- I was really panicking when this game got started. Even with the fact we were winning, I was still sitting there like, man, Rutgers is horrible. Like, we know this. This is a fact. They're a bad, bad football team. And they just, Maryland could not get anything going on offense again. And if you play an average opponent, just a team that will put up an effort, that make go 6-6, six and six, they're going to take advantage of that. And I, I know in the end we blew them out and the offense picked it up and there are things to talk about that aren't this, but to me, that was just such a, a red flag. That first quarter for us was just so, so not what I wanted to see against the worst human Big Ten. Yeah, I will agree with that. Um, the first play of the game, I'll focus on kind of the good from that part of the game. The first play of this game was... Frankly, what we missed the past two weeks, it was an on-time pass on that quick slant RPO play where the receiver, instead of having to reach back for the ball or instead of having to stop for the ball, was able to catch the ball, Dante Demas, and keep going all the way to the end zone. Now, he didn't have to, you know, that's that's the perfect execution of it, as Mike Loxley will probably say. But that pass, I was like, that's, that's the Josh Jackson that we've been missing. There's the guy that won, won those games against Syracuse and Howard. But... As the game continued, we saw more and more of the mispasses and the miscues. I mean, I don't know how you can really watch the film if you're a Maryland coach and still have Sean Savoy on the field. He drops passes left and right. But overall from the quarterback play, it was an improvement. It was not the absolute mess that we saw against Temple and Penn State. But it was still better. And then at the end of the first half... On the most unnecessary drive known to uh, college football at this point, Josh Jackson goes down with what has been reported to be a high ankle sprain. Actually, that was from the coaching staff, but we don't really know the extent or how bad of an ankle sprain it is. But a high ankle sprain for Josh Jackson. And then uh, Piggy comes in. But overall from Josh Jackson, I guess not more of the same, but not yet back to what we saw in the first two weeks. Well, we... I think it's kind of safe to say that Josh Jackson's probably not going to play next week. So, when Piggy came in, as many people, including myself, have been calling for Piggy to get a shot, uh, it went okay, I guess. Uh, how would you rate Piggy's performance, especially in the second half, Mason? I can't judge it. You were playing against a team that had given up. I mean, let's be honest here. Maryland is up 27-7 to when Piggy enters the game. Even though it's the start of the third quarter... And then what I would see as the real drive, the real like deciding drive of the game, Javon Link returns the kickoff for a touchdown. Then you're up 34 to seven by the time the uh, by the time Piggy gets his opportunity. That game's over. Rutgers quit. 
I mean, there is no doubt about it. The only guy that didn't quit for Rutgers, in my opinion, was the quarterback, Johnny Langan, who I think they really told to settle down and really stop almost playing his game of running like he calls it as Tim Tebow does. So I don't really think there's much to judge from Piggy. 13 for 18, 111 yards. He did play well, didn't make mistakes, did his job to close out the game. In terms of real drives that we've seen from Tyrell Pig-Rome at this part, point of the season, we saw two against Penn State, but both of which were abysmal. And we saw, I guess, did he get any time in the Temple game? He got like two snaps. I, I think we're going to see. We're going to get to see what he's made of next week. Very likely. No, we don't know that Josh Jackson's out, but you saw the play. You saw he was he was on crutches, I believe, on the sideline. It, he's probably not going to play next week. If he does, I would be shocked. But I think it's enough quarterback talk, at least for this moment. Running backs, he had Ant-Mac ripped off that 80-yard touchdown run. Other than that, he had six carries for seven yards. Javon Leak had a pretty decent game. Tayonfle Davis got in there as well. It was an okay chance in the backfield. It's just they're still not as dominant as I wanted them to be. They're supposed to be the strength of the team. Well, they can't block. I mean, the line the line plays where the running backs get any holes from, and they really... Early on in this game, they struggled to block. We'll get to the offensive line in a minute. Uh, add the receivers, Dante Demas, three catches for 94 yards, had that 80-yarder to start off the game that the team desperately needed. Tayon Fleet-Davis had some nice catches out of the backfield on a wheel route that we hadn't seen yet to this point this season. He had five catches for 80 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Chiga Conquo, two catches for 30 yards. Rayshad Lewis getting some action wide receiver once Piggy got in the game, two catches for 19 yards. Uh, Sean Savoy, a pair of catches, Brian Cobbs, Tyler Mabry. Um, Dino Tomlin got his first catch as a turp. Really spread the ball around uh, with the 22 catches for 290 yards that this uh, receiving unit was able to put together. Yeah, spread the wealth. Continued Dante Demas still looks like the number one receiver in my opinion. They did okay. Uh, most of the receiving yards came from Josh Jackson. 111 from Piggy. Uh, offensive line... They struggled early. Yeah, they did. But overall, if you were to tell me that the group of guys that we called uh, like the Mayday scenario, who did all play, Marcus Minor and Johnny Jordan, no snaps in this game. So you did see the line of um, Jalen Duncan, Sean Christie, Ellis McKinney, Austin Fontaine, and Spencer Anderson played the entire game. Maybe at the end they might have put Evan Gregory in or something once the game was over. But the meaningful snaps were played by those five guys, and overall, Rutgers, as bad as they are, did not do, in my opinion, what they needed to do against that offensive line. I don't think I think Andy Boo, as always, or as we see, saw a lot at Maryland, had a very poor game plan for what the Terps O line was ready for, and Maryland was able to take advantages. They Rutgers focused on taking away the running game, forcing Maryland to make pass plays, and. I think the Terps managed well enough to get the win. Not they didn't execute perfectly, but you know a win. A win I guess a win is a is a win in this scenario. You did what you had to so. do. You didn't make mistakes that allowed Rutgers to be in the game. Um, defense played very well. Josh Langdon only got 163 yards through the air. Team Rutgers as a team got 163 on the ground. Considering they're a run-based team, that's not as bad as it sounds. Um, look, they just did their job. That's really all I can say. Yeah, they got hung out to dry a little bit in the second quarter, and Rutgers finally was able to break through. 
Uh, they got some turnovers. I knew Ely got a pick with a nice return. Isaiah Davis got an interception as well. Maybe not as much pressure as I would have hoped against Rutgers. Then we got three sacks. Yeah, but Rutgers was running a lot of quick pass scheme and a lot of um, quarterback runs. And I thought that Maryland, when they did get there, was when they were able to force the turnovers. Isaiah Davis and Ace Ely able to come out with those. Overall, it's another game that you can kind of chalk up in the hard-to-judge category. You didn't start great, but as the game went on... Actually, I guess this just came to me. A, a judgment for this game. That first drive, and I said it about the football team here in Jacksonville this past week. The first drive, they made a statement play that sets the tone for the rest of the game. That play to this Maryland team... Because of whatever they have, I guess it's in their heads. The first time this offense touches the ball, they need to score a touchdown. Or maybe a field goal. I, we haven't seen that yet. It's how they started against Ohio State when they were able to compete last year. It's how they started in every big game that they've been able to compete in. It's off a strong start. Because I guess they have some quit in them. And I don't really think you can strength and condition your way out of it or coach your way out of it. It's just these group of guys have been beaten so badly so many times that they need a strong start. They didn't get it against Penn State. They, in my opinion, that killed them. I mean, I would even count if they scored when it was 14 to nothing. There's your start. There's your like little light of fire. Get like the crowd into it. Get whatever you want into it. But everybody talks about when they threw that second interception against Penn State. At, at Temple, they just never got started. They had every opportunity, and they could never make that like punch play. They're like, here we are. Here, we're ready to play. Let's go. It has to be early on in the game. It has to be in the first quarter, and it has to prove something. That Dante Dimas play saves them in this game. They punt that ball. Who knows what happens? Because you certainly didn't see it the rest of the first quarter. But they need that play almost to save them, to inspire them, to say, hey, we can do this in a real game. And I don't know if that's something that you want to adjust in practice, but... We've now seen, I guess, I'm going to say it's only DJ Durkin and, and um, Mike Loxley. I don't think Randy Etzel teams did that. At this point, oh, that sounds dangerously close to a defending Randy Etzel there, Mason. I almost can because when you look at what his teams did, they beat Michigan, even though they, Michigan wasn't that good. They beat Penn State. you got to give credit where credit's due. And Randy Etzel teams, regardless of whatever talent they had and whatever lacking lacking abilities they had, they were, I didn't see that much quit till his last season. Sure, they got blown out by Florida State that game, 63 to nothing. But at least you can say they lost to the national champions, 63 to nothing. Uh, I, I actually agree. I never thought of it from that perspective. I think you're kind of right. Um, I don't know what else you can say about this. I will highlight that Keandre Jones has four and a half sacks in five games now, leads the team. And it is looking really good for us. Uh, next week, which we'll talk on our next episode, we got a team that might actually give... I'm not going to say it, actually. No, it's not true. Purdue is one of the worst teams in the Big Ten. Uh, we're traveling to face them next week. Hopefully we can get a win. We'll talk about that. And also, Mason, as uh, we recently really got a reminder of with Big Ten Media Day, uh, the basketball season is only about a month away. We got uh, November 1st against Fayetteville State is our first game, even though it's an exhibition, that's our first game. Yeah, it's, it's creeping up on everybody um, with the hype that, I guess, this football provided. Um, 
early on in the season, a lot of people kind of, basketball finally hit a back burner. Yeah, I guess so. It's a weird scenario. Um, you can check out the Maryland Media Day, or sorry, Big Ten Media Day Maryland stuff on the Wayne Turp YouTube channel. Uh, guy, I guess, got a box out an episode to preview basketball season. Really looking forward to it, though. So just a quick swing back to my Randy Etzel comment. He coached one... He coached like one and like a quarter year in the Big Ten for Maryland. Those are the years I'm going to look at. In his time at Maryland, they lost to Ohio State in their Big Ten opener at home, 52-24. to They lost at Wisconsin, 52-7. to The rest of the year, when they played number 12 Michigan State, they kind of competed. They only lost by... 20-something, which is a game that we've seen Maryland lose by 50. And then the next year, this is your interesting tidbit. They lost that game to Bowling Green, if you remember. They came back. They beat um, USF. And in the game where Maryland was, quote, going to fire Randy Etzel after against Ohio State, which they did, Maryland was in that game till the third quarter against the number one team in the country, if you remember, Jordan. With Perry Hills running the ball all over the place. That you have never seen since the end of that season. DJ Durkin got, I believe, beat like 63-6 to in his first year against Ohio State. You're completely right, and I have never thought of it like that. I don't think any Maryland fans listening have either. And I'm not, still not going to say Randy Etzel was a good coach, but you're making a legitimate point here that these epic, demoralizing program killing beatdowns that we keep seeing against elite teams, we really did not see in the Red Edsel. And I just never thought about that. Well, hold on. You can't really say that because Rand Edsel lost to Florida State a few times really bad, even though some of them he had like a linebacker playing quarterback or whatever. But here are just a few of them. They lost to Michigan with DJ Durkin 59-3. The next week they lost to Ohio State 62-3. to uh, That was his first year. In 2017, they lost to. Well, they didn't really have any of that bad losses. They lost to Ohio State 62 to 14. There you go. Well, didn't and they like, lose to Penn State by like a fortune? No, not in 2017. What year was that? It was the last game of the season. Oh, never mind. They lost 66 to three. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, there it is. And then, you know, we all know it. Like, last year, we lost that game to Penn, or well, Durkin was out. But I guess last year, they didn't really have any of them either. When uh, Matt Canada was coaching, they had that loss to Temple, but they only lost 35-14. to In pure terms of scoring margin, I mean, their biggest loss was 38-3 to in the last game of the season at Penn State, which was in disgusting conditions in the rain and all that crap. Not that that's uh, really an excuse. And then this year, we saw the loss 59 to nothing. So back to what we were saying, Maryland needs a fast start, it seems like. That's what they've had every time they've competed. Well, I tell you, you I'll, tell you, I'll give really. you another example of that. All right, Last all right. year on the road at Iowa, I was at that game, Maryland lost the game 23 to nothing. Maryland scores one touchdown in that game. And I actually got criticism a lot because I said this in the postgame right after the game. Maryland scores one touchdown. They make one big play and give themselves a chance, put like seven points on the board. They could have won that game. Their defense was giving everything they had, forcing turnovers, 
stopping the run. They were doing everything that you wanted the defense to do, and they couldn't score. The same thing happened at Temple this year, except the score was a little bit different because Maryland was able to pull out a few plays because it was Temple and not Iowa. There have been games like this throughout, I guess, this Durkin to Loxley span where you're looking at games that the score might not look too pretty, but you're looking at, like, one play. It happened twice last year. I'll give you another one. Michigan State, they had, like, an interception. They returned to one yard and they didn't score. And I believe that one made the score, like, 10-13 to 13 in that game or something like that. You can just point at the moments throughout the past two or three seasons, and there are multiple games we can point out and say, maybe if we made one play in that game, we're talking about a completely different thing. Because I think Maryland wins that game against Iowa last year on the road, or they win against Michigan State. Matt Canada's probably the head coach of Maryland right now if they pull out six wins last year. Um, I would agree. The, I guess the flip side of that argument is we only play two more games against really elite competition this year. I could say one, actually. Uh, Minnesota's been pretty good. They haven't lost yet. Um, I would watch out for them. Michigan is just not that good. I will say it. Michigan is weak this year relative to their status. They should have lost to Army if you watched that game. They, I don't know what happened to Iowa, but I think they should have Well, Nathan Iowa Stanley kind of exploded for Iowa. Yeah. Um, that was another team that, at least in the um, article I was reading, that Michigan might not be ranked if it was just objective rankings this season. Maybe they would be now, but not before this. Ohio State is a great team, and Michigan State has done nothing to tell me that they are better than average this year. Yeah, so let's just look ahead right, really quickly. We'll obviously talk about Purdue more in the next game. Wrapping it up here, looking ahead, obviously get the 48-7 to win that you desperately needed in Piscataway yesterday. You're at Purdue next week. You, In my opinion, another game, got to win it. You want to go to a bowl, you got to win this game. Hopefully Purdue doesn't bring back Rondell Moore. At that point, they're a team that you need to beat, you should beat. You can just keep going with the UX beat Purdue. You come back to Indiana. Indiana's been up and down this season, but you're at home. Got to say that you're going to win that game on family weekend. Hopefully we'll get a 3.30 start time for that game. Maryland's pushing really hard for it. It seems like the Big Ten Network really wants Maryland in the 12th slot, but maybe they owe one to Maryland for 3.30. Then you're at that Minnesota game. Hopefully you're 4-2. and two. Hopefully Minnesota kind of stays undefeated. Maybe they're ranked. And if you can pull that one out, you're back home against Michigan as a 5-2 and two team, surprising, as surprising as that sounded. Possibly, if Minnesota's looking good, maybe you're even ranked again. Or getting votes again. So the season's still alive. Very much so. And we'll talk more about that next week. You got anything else today, Mason? No, it was a solid win against Rutgers as much as you can get a team that just promoted a guy. I did not know that that guy was coaching high school as a head coach. Until he got to Rutgers, and then I believe it was either, did they? I think they might have even hired him this year, and somehow he's the head coach of a Big Ten football team. That is accurate, yes. That was absolutely ridiculous to me. I don't know what a, it just seems like absurd for the man to have this opportunity. Maybe, just because he ran a program before. I don't know why, but regardless, we won. Rutgers is still the worst team in the Big Ten, thankfully not us, and... I'll, that take, I'll take it for now. We can worry about next week, next time. Yeah, 48-7. to seven. Uh, Hopefully we'll have more clarity after Coach Loxley's press conference on Tuesday about the quarterback situation, what Josh Jackson's looking at in, time ta- in terms of a timetable for his injury. But overall, put one in the win column. 
definitely a lot different story than it was, um, I guess, last Friday. But we're moving forward. We got we did what we needed to do this week. Now let's focus on next week, getting the win against Purdue. We'll be back on Wednesday to talk about that. As always, we would like to thank our sponsors on the show, Allied Party Rentals in Beltsville, Maryland, and Viner Four Gates in Rockville, Maryland. Call Viner Four Gates for all of your business IT needs at 301-251-2900 or on the web at the number one viner.com. Check out the Wayne Turb YouTube page for all of the Big Ten Media Day coverage. And as always, thanks for listening.